Hello, everyone. I'm Dash here with another Q, this time from home. The first at-home edition of the Q, and I'm joined by C9's Jack Etienne. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be part of this. My pleasure. Uh, I think we should start with where the world is. I think it's a natural place to begin, and that is, uh, that is the fact that the world is dealing with a pandemic. Mm. Uh, COVID-19 uh, has, has taken you know, the world uh, by storm in, in some senses of the word, and um, our industry, like many, has had to react on the fly. Uh, and mm-hmm. so first I wanna come to you just personally. Jack, how are you handling it? How are you doing? Because I think we're a month in and it's a good thing to check in with each other. You know, um, it's been wild. Um, I think uh, saying it's a storm is a, a good analogy. I sort of feel like it's almost like a hurricane that we've slowly seen this thing move towards us across the globe and it's finally like on top of us. And yeah. um, I'm feeling confident that I've done everything I can to make sure my employees and my players are healthy and safe. And um, so I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling as good as I can be considering the situation. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, it's been interesting to watch this behemoth uh, of of an organization or of a system, the LCS, you know, the teams, the uh, riot itself, the production, uh, have to try and navigate in the middle of this mm. storm, right? You think you think an, uh, of an analogy kind of being in this massive ship uh, that yeah. only has a turning radius of of so much, right? And so there's only so much you can do at any one given moment, and it's been very interesting to watch the whole of the LCS from the production to the teams to the fans mm. kind of react and and rebuild, pivot, and augment our current system to still have a workable product. Um, but within that, I think people do have an understanding of what we on the production side have done because we've had the opportunity to showcase that quite literally by you guys being in my bedroom and saying, look at the way the production is now. But we don't have a great understanding on how this has changed from the team and the organization perspective. So can you walk me through those initial weeks? Like, what were you, um, as an owner, looking to do? What did the organization have to do to transition from a standard, you know, split of LCS play to where we're at now and make it all work? Yeah, I mean, this, this is a long story because back in February, we actually sent all my employees home um, and we started locking down the teams to get them in a really safe place because, you know, we're a global organization and I had, I had staff that was like in Japan, going to Korea, like all over the world. Right. And um, as I was watching the, the COVID numbers roll out in, in, in Asia and I started realizing how vulnerable, vulnerable we are because we're a global organization, I said, actually, like, hey, I've got staff in like in Asia right now, they're going to be coming back in a few days. It's actually not safe for my other employees and my players for them to come back into the office and come back into like the team homes. Right. So we we had we started transitioning all of our employees to to working at home, and then we started looking at like with our team houses. Um, you know, we have like a CS:GO house, we have a Dota house, we have a League of Legends house. And we're like, okay, we need to actually make sure that each house is independent um, and is supported in a way that it's safe and it it's pretty deep because it's not just saying like, Oh yeah, employees don't go to this house. Like how do we get food? Like how, how are the players managed? What do we do with the coaches? And it's not, and we also have, you know, house cleaners because the players have their laundry done every day. The houses need to be in place. So we, we moved like, house cleaners into our League of Legends house, managers into our League of Legends house. And we had to figure that out for our Counter-Strike house and all the other teams as well. We ended up sending our Dota team home because we couldn't really adequately adequately set them up for safety. And then 
you know, we used to have, you know, players would order in Postmates all the time or it, and we realized like Postmates is also a dangerous place where a risk, exactly. yeah, these guys are ringing doorbells all around Los Angeles all day long. And they're, 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 if you look at mathematically, they are going to run into COVID and then they're going to become a door house and delivering food. So like, how do we deal with that? We've got, you know, private catering that only works with us and the food gets delivered outside. We set up like disinfectant stations outside our houses where the food is received. It's totally unpacked. Like everything's wiped down. Only the managers are bringing in food to the house. Um, only the managers are like unpacking packages. Like it, it was a huge process. And because I think we started all the way back in February doing this, we really hit our stride in March. And now by April, like we're really used to this system. Um, and, and, you know, our goal has been to make sure that the daily lives of our players haven't changed so much. So they're still doing like their morning workouts. We, you know, we, we still do a lot of the same things that we used to do, but there is like a bubble of protection around it. Awesome. I mean, it's it's immediately cool and clear to me that the human side of it all was approached first, which mm -hmm. I believe is the right way to do it. But now I want to talk about the competitive side because the reality of your organization is that you're a sports organization. Right. And if the leagues continue, uh, you know, uh, the the results are what fans are ultimately going to hinge on that that competitive, mm. you know, um, result is what people are going to look at. And so I'll isolate to League of Legends, understanding, as you mentioned, you've now had to do this for every single one of your teams across every esport globally. Right. We'll hone in here on, on the LCS. You have an LCS team that is on the verge of doing what no LCS team has done before when all of this hits us for the first time. You're looking at becoming one of the most dominant ever. Uh, and the whole system, you know, gets slammed. Right. So what we're beyond the human discussions of, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take care of you guys and we're gonna do it right. How did you guys come together as a team competitively and reframe what your goals, expectations, and everything were? What was that discussion like? Uh, you know, at that point, midway through the split, where you go, this isn't gonna be like any year before. Yeah, I think um, my approach has been to be like brutally honest about the situation and uh, with the players on what I think could happen and how we're going to deal with it. Um, just so that they never, I felt like the, the worst feeling the players could have is on, you know, not really knowing what's going to happen. And so I tried to explain like, Hey, this is what's happening in the world. This is where things are going. This is what I think is going to happen. Um, and really share my thoughts with them and them share those thoughts with me. And we had a lot of conversation about it. And at the end of it, they're like, okay, we get it. This is what's going on. But all of our goals are still the same. This doesn't change like the drive and the passion to be better every single day. Mm -hmm. So um, what do we, what do we do to make sure that like when we're playing on, on stage from home that we're still in the same serious mode that we had when we were going to LCS. And so some of that, like what we did was like, okay, like, cause what we, what we saw is the first weekend we played at home. Um, there was a bit of scrimminess to our yeah. game and, you know, players were, were taking risks they, that they do it in scrims, but they shouldn't be doing on stage. And so we're like, we, need, we needed to address that mind state. Like, Hey, how can we recreate the LCS vibe of very, a very serious play without taking too big a risks? Um, 
um, how, how do we get ourselves in that right mindset? And like, right. literally we, we, we broke it down. Like what is our usual day at LCS? And like, okay, we spend this much time going over to the LCS. The players spend this much time like preparing for the match. And we tried to recreate that as best as possible. We, we happen to have a, a like literally, you know, a house just a few doors down. That was our Dota house, which was empty. And we're like, okay, we're going to like walk over to the Dota house we're gonna ah. we're walked over you know several hours early just like we did with LCS. You know some of the players have like meditation routines that they would have. They'd go through that at that house and try to recreate everything as much as possible to to um, to make it feel less different, even though it is very different. Yeah, I mean, and you know what's interesting about that is it's like to me it strikes a very significant balance or, or, or a proper balance between acknowledging the given circumstances and saying, look, we cannot change this. We're going to operate within the confines of what's happening to us in the world, but saying we're not going to surrender to those circumstances in the sense of, uh, you know, n- nipping in the bud, all the things we would normally do. So we're going to adhere to, you know, the systems that we have in place that we rely on or that we feel make us better as a squad while, you know, surrendering to the things that we can't, change and not let those get in the way um do you feel like uh you know four five six weeks in um you know well what have you learned through this process i guess you know because it's it's ever evolving for all of us you know the first week the first at-home broadcast i did for the lcs is very different than what it was last week just from our own understandings and learnings of you know putting something on in a different environment what so far have you guys learned you know, as an org or as a team in these last six weeks of being tried and tested? Um, I mean, I've got a pretty special bunch of guys uh, with their, with their focus and resolve to, to be getting better every single day. And it's been tested like in a big way. And, um, it's been really, uh, gratifying to, to see how, um, resilient these guys are. Um, and, and that, that they, their drive to be the best has not wavered at all. And, you know, there was a vote that went around the, the, um, the players union basically saying, Hey, like, you know, should we be, you know, some of the players are saying the split's not worth anything. Let's just go home. And they were just my, the literally the first thing I got was a message from Sven saying, is this a joke? Like, this can't be real. How can these guys not be focused? Because all of, you know, they were still razor focused on getting this thing done and doing a great job. And um, for me, I like, I felt a lot of pride, like, wow, these guys, you know, these guys got it. And how can I support every I don't think, effort to make sure they want it to get it done? I don't think I've ever met a league player that has more fire uh, behind their speech than Sven. Yeah. When, I did, when I did that, when I did that pre-finals interview, uh, or not, it was... Uh, yeah, pre-finals interview where we talked about uh, failure on the key and it just his willingness to say or to 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 own up to those mistakes mm. um, and just admit that, you know, it's just the ownership. That's what it is. It's ownership, taking ownership yeah. of mistakes, but then you still see this fire, this smolder behind his eyes for like, I'm not done. I am yeah. not done and I refuse to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this to me transitions perfectly into, I think maybe uh, one of the things that uh, about you that has the most mystique which is that you seem to have built just the best teams of people around you. When people look at Cloud9 Esports, they always talk about the org, the structure, and the personnel. 
mm-hmm. and how Jack has built such an incredible organization. So we'll, we'll work our way back to today's version, but mm-hmm. I do want to do the rewind, the typical rewind that we do here on the queue yeah. all the way back to the early days of Jack. And this is actually going to take us back to TSM where you were first a part of TSM uh, management and then transitioned out to cloud nine. So let's talk about those early days of esports. When did you understand fully that esports had legs and that the right play for you um, was to was to endeavor into your own venture, uh, into into establishing your own team? Granted, I know you you jumped onto Quantic uh, and took right. It was it was you you came over to Quantic and helped turn that into Cloud Nine. But w- when did you know that this was a thing and something that you were capable of building? Um, you know, as I was helping um, Reginald, Andy, uh, helping him make money with his website. And it was more like a side project because I was, I was the, the head of sales for Crunchyroll, which is an anime streaming website. Yep, no way. And, and I was one of my video game publishers that I worked with said, hey, you got to help this guy. Andy, he's got a, a wonderful site. It's incredible traffic, but he, he needs some, some experience on how to, how to make money with the site. And um, so I had several long conversations with him and I was really intrigued by what he was building um, and how fast it was growing. And so I got involved with helping him you know, make money with the traffic he already had. And once he, I think he was really comfortable with um, his websites running well, um, he really focused on esports. And I, and I was interested, like, what is this thing you're doing? Like, you're moving out to New York. What are these events you're going to? And I watched a couple of, of MLG events that the viewership was huge. And I'm like, whoa, this is at the time, like, StarCraft was considered the by far best esport. And it, it was, it was great. But these league events were crushing them in viewership. Yeah. And I, and I was like, whoa, this is something really special here. Um, so I started going to events with, with TSM and uh, I saw the passion of the League of Legends crowds. Um, and it was really stark in comparison to what you saw with the StarCraft audiences. Both were like, were full venues, but the League fans were just like so animated and passionate and excited. And I'm like, this is, this is special. I love being a, like being a part of this. And I just wanted to help Andy like um, run as smooth the operation as possible. And I just, mm-hmm. I just dove in with both feet, but it was like, literally it was a, it was a hobby. It was a passion. It was for fun. My day job was Crunchyroll. Okay. So then, uh, so, so from day job, uh, of Crunchyroll to the decision of I'm now I'm now going to go both feet in you know both feet into the esports scene. So I mean it's a kind of a, a it's not really a well known story but basically the the owner of uh, GGU Good Game University yeah. which got second place uh, in the inaugural uh, the early the split uh, exactly. 2013. Um, they he said hey like do you want to buy my team you know I've seen what you're doing with TSM I think you could really help my guys blah 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 and I. And I thought, wow, that sounds great. But if I had this attachment to Andy uh, and I'm like, hey, would you be okay if I, you know, got this team too? I'll still support you. Don't worry. But like, right. you know, I'll help you do sales, but I want to do this because it looks fun and what a cool opportunity. I ended up buying that team. Yeah. Um, but the players, they really wanted to, they really wanted to play with, uh, they really wanted to work with, with the slans. They, they had some personal relationship with the slans. Mm-hmm. And um, after several negotiations, we couldn't really come to, a place where the players were comfortable playing for me because they had all these plans to play with the slants because they weren't they weren't happy with the current GGU situation. Okay. So I said, okay, like, you know, I understand. And at, while this is going on, I got introduced to to High and I got introduced to Medios. And High told me like he wanted to play for me. He just 
won his spot into LCS. He's like, Hey, will you, will you buy out my contracts and I want to play for you? And I'm like, I've been seeing this team scrim against TSM. Like I get to watch the scrims. They're, they're a really good team. I really like Ty's energy. And so I, I, I ended up buying the players from Quantic selling off GGU to the slant. So everyone was happy. Um, right. And it ended up being like this fantastic situation for everybody involved and maybe me best. Now you, you already commented that you spoke to high, you loved his energy, but did you know what you were getting? Did you know what you were getting was so special in that first cloud nine roster? Well, I knew that they were winning against TSM 90% of the time. Okay. And TSM was the best team in it the best team in North America at the time, right? They yeah. won LCS. And so I knew they were really good. Whether that was going to last or not, I didn't know. Um, but um, I was, you know, <laughs> just, you got to understand that it wasn't a bit, it wasn't, esports wasn't anything like it is now, no. right? It cost me, I think, um, around $10,000 to buy out these players. Or it was a oh my God. The economics of this was completely different. Um, you know, it wasn't a big stretch for me to, to, um, to ha- let my wife, like she agreed with me spending this money. She, she fully supported it to so go for it, could do it. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge, it was more of a time investment than a dollars investment. Right. Um, I didn't expect, like I, I knew that the trajectory from esports was really good. And I knew that eventually we would be in the same breath with traditional sports but I didn't think it was going to happen as fast as it did okay. um, because the viewership continued to skyrocket and the visibility on the scene continued to skyrocket at a rate that was, you know, really surprising to me. And when I was talking to my first investment um, investments, like when the the current like franchise league was being put together, um, I told my investors to not expect like, the growth that they were hoping for, for maybe 10 years. Um, But we were reaching milestones that I had set out like five years out within a year or two. So I, I did not expect to be for this to grow as fast as it did. All right. I I mean, I think, I think uh, that's a great, that's a perfect statement for esports as a whole, whole, but it's also in a weird way, a a great statement to kind of encapsulate that, that again, that initial cloud nine roster, because those first two dominant splits uh, just catapulted this organization, you know, uh, to the forefront of the of the competitive league conversation. And, and very quickly, you know, you guys are challenging the biggest brands, the brand you came from, TSM, mm. you know, on all levels, not just on the gameplay level. You're now challenging from a, a brand level as well. Um, but let's talk about that early roster because I, what's interesting is how much that early roster uh, seems to carry over into the now C9. Um, and, and the current C9, a lot of the discussion is about the new, that next chapter, finally turning the page and saying, this is the, just the next iteration of this org. But it's taken quite a bit of work, I think, for yeah. the fans to let go of that initial roster. So I just want to give, give the proper time to that roster of five players who did so much. Um, Sorry about for, that. No worries, man. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead and turn off the um, notifications on that now. Yeah, fair enough. No worries. Um, but yeah, I want—I just kind of want to give the proper time to that roster and really kind of understand from your perspective what it is those players did for that for your organization. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible group of guys, right? 
And not only were they um, incredibly skilled at the game, but their energy and personality were fantastic to work with and for the fans to to latch on and grow with. And mm-hmm. so immediately, not because if it was just like five like super good guys, but with no personality at all, we wouldn't have grown nearly as fast as we did. But, um, you know, if I look back on it, like we, I picked up five really good people who are extremely good at the game and really interesting. And, and um, it allowed me to, hey, pick up a, a really strong Dota team because the visibility on the brand got strong. I picked up a really good Counter-Strike team or some really good Hearthstone players. It literally caused this, like because the, the core was so strong and so interesting and so visible, it allowed me to snowball the company in the way that I wanted to much faster than it could have. Do you feel at all beholden or at any time, maybe you don't now, do you feel at all beholden to the brand image that those five guys created? Cause again, you just meant it's this expansive organization. Mm. Now, even touching into different games with different audiences and different demographics at this point, different memes, even from game to game. Right. Yeah. Do you feel beholden though, at, at, to any degree to the five guys and that original persona of cloud nine, as opposed to what you guys have maybe grown into now? I, I think that um, there was a very specific culture that we had and that it did get us initially to where we wanted to go really quickly, but at some ways it also held us back from where I wanted to go at some point. And I felt like with the team really revamping in October, I was able to stamp on like the final stamp onto the culture and the way we work. Um, in a way that would take us to the next level. Can we get into a little bit about what that is then? Like, I think this is a great way. Let's just get into this season and everything that you guys have done up to this point. But you can't talk about this season without talking about the contentious off season. Everyone, yeah. from, the, everyone from the outside of Cloud9 is always so happy, so yeah. happy in the off season to throw criticism towards the decisions that you guys organizationally make. And yet you generally come out better for it in the end results. So rewind me to that October time when you felt you could finally say stamp of approval. We're now fully moving in the direction I want to go. What were those changes that you felt needed to be made? Um, what I needed from my players was that they, they felt um, a sense of uh, respect towards the team and that the team becomes ahead of the individual wants and that they feel like they owe the team something. Um, they owe the team their focus, they owe the team and their teammates the hard work every single day. They, they owe the team that they put in the proper effort every single day to get where we're going. And I think at some point along the way, there, there was a lot of individual before the team that was holding us back. And um, when, you know, after, after Worlds didn't end the way we wanted to, um, I had a series of very difficult interviews with all of the players where, you know, you know, Sven Skarin told me straight up, like, I don't want to play with anybody on this team. I don't want to be coached by the coach anymore. I want you to change everything if you want me to stay. And here's the list of players that I would be willing to stay here and play with. Um, that was my very first interview. And then that was like hours after, after being eliminated. I'm like, my God, wow, this is going to be a tough one. And I went through every single player and, you know, um, you know, 
a minority of the players were like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to rebuild. I'm ready to do this, you know, thing. Yeah. And, um, it was really striking. Like when I had my interview with Blabber, he's like, I love being here and I want to rebuild with you. Okay. And, and I went to talk to Nisku. He's like, I'm still on the team, right? I still want to do this. And it was, those, that was like the nucleus of guys that like got me motivated and they mm-hmm. still, and they still had the drive and the passion that I was looking for. Talk with licorice. He's like, hell yeah, let's do this. We can do this. We can crush this. And then, and then we, we needed to look and see what are the other players we need. Reaper, do you on board? Totally in. Yeah, that sucked, but we're going to fix this. Yeah. Um, and, and then we had this, this nucleus of guys that were just, just as motivated as me to, to do better than we had in the past. And we spent, we did our homework on figuring out which players matched the drive and personalities and work effort ethic of, of, of these players that remained. Um, and, um, you know, the, the fact that Zven became available was just like, me and reporters like looked at each other like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) please let us get this guy because this is, this guy fits what we want. We knew it without a doubt. And, and, and and, uh, interestingly enough, like, um, like Dignitas reached out to me and said, Hey, you want Vulcan? We're kind of interested in Zazel. And we're like, what? Um, yeah, I think that that could be pretty good for us. Right. I think that might work out. Of course, it didn't end up being that simple of a transaction. Right. Um, and yeah. $1.75 million later, Woo! I got my boy. Worth it though. Uh, <laughs> so <yeah>. far. <laughs> that, that, you know, TSM has her $50 million facility. I've got Vulcan. And exactly. I think I got the better deal. Hell yeah. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. I was going to say, you know, it, it wasn't just Sven. There were two really huge pickups for you guys yeah. this offseason. And it was those two. But side note on a comment you made earlier, just licorice. Watching that guy come out of his shell this year, really kind of blossom into a personality has been Mm -hmm. uh, one of the great pleasures of this split for me, in all honesty. Uh, His play, still top tier, but we already knew that from his rookie split. We knew that this guy mechanically had something special. Um, I personally have taken, uh, you know, great joy in watching him kind of just – uh, you know, open up to the world and yeah. put himself out there a little bit more and, and uh, just kind of his earnestness, his honesty, the way he approaches any interview is more of a statement than a question. But he's an, he's an incredible there. person. And like, I, I remember my interview with licorice specifically because, um, you know, I was set up, his agent told me, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough call, Jack. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen, oh, you know? No. And so I get on there and I tell him, look, this is why I think we failed. This is why I think we can, you know, this is what I want the personalities of the players to be like. This is the the drive we're looking for. These are the players we're looking to pick up. And he's like, Oh, this is a much different call than I thought I was going to have. Ah. I like, I like what you're saying and I'm totally in. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, and I was like, because if, if that didn't happen, it would have been like, I mean, yeah, there's Absolutely. no, there's no other like NA top like him. Uh, yeah. and, and I, I would just say there's actually, I, I want to rephrase that there's no top like him. And so, um, uh, the fact that he's NA is really fantastic for me. Hell yeah. And, and that touches on another thing, which is that cloud nine has always been given credit as the one organization that really does foster talent. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to throw a shade at the other nine organizations. They all run academy teams. Go for it. And I, and I, I do it. I do it every day. <laughs> You're really good at that. You're really damn good at that. And that's probably the yeah. last thing we'll talk about is, mm. is, is, you, is your journey, uh, you know, personally as, uh, and how this team has maybe uh, affected you and mm. uh, uh, personally coming up. But I, I want to get to that at the end. Uh, let, let's, let's continue talking here about um, 
the the organization that you've built because it's not just the five players it is also the staff behind them and, and of mm. course the head of that is Reaper. and i know that there's many behind west rice rainover uh, mateus and beyond right and and yeah. there's a huge organization of people behind it but we'll start uh, and, and primarily focus on Reaper because he has been a mainstay for the team for quite some time now but when you're building when you're building this team and when you brought Reaper in what was it about Reaper's approach uh, that aligned with you or what spoke to you about Reaper to say, this is the guy that I'm willing to put, you know, the lives of these five, you know, players in his hands for a number of years and trust him to guide them and build a championship winning team. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's tough to summarize what Reaper means in this organization. Um, I think it was back in 2016 when we signed him. And at that time, um, you know, Lemonation we was had our coach. drinks. Twenty sixteen Worlds in Chicago. You, I remember it in the hotel lobby. That was that was that was his first Worlds. I think that was Chicago. It? That was yeah. Chicago Worlds. Yeah, yeah. I totally finals. remember that. That was an amazing event. And um, but um, so he, uh, we were looking for a coach, and we just had had massive roster changes. This is like what basically we moved high and balls and lemon. They moved him onto. A, to a challenger team to go farm our LCS spots for me. And, um, <laughs> the good uh, old days. <laughs> you're welcome. Fly quest. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, when, you know, he was, he was, I was first introduced to him, um, uh, by Papa Smithy. Great guy. And, uh, and he said, you should talk to this guy. I think he's fantastic. And, uh, he didn't really speak English at all. Right. And so I hired Robin, uh, as a manager slash, um, trans, uh, he was basically translating Korean to English to English back to Korean nonstop for us. Wow. And, 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 uh, he, the command that Reaper brought to that room for our first week of scrims, I'd never seen anything like it. Um, most of the coaches would be like throughout the scrim would be just like scribbling down notes the entire time. And then we reviewing the notes, trying to talk about the guys about the game minute by minute on what was going on. Um, but Reaper had like a real conversation with the players trying to understand the perspectives of what they saw and then would just click into di different minutes in the game, knowing exactly where strange things were happening and asking their thought, their thought process on what was going on. And it was like, the players, I could see them like learning and leveling up like right. in that week. And, and we had actually had um, Coach Fly scheduled to come in the next week to scrim us, but all the players were like, no, we got our guy. Like, wow. I, don't, I don't want this guy going anywhere. We've learned so much this week. Um, what a vote of confidence. Yeah, it was. And it was like, for me, it was the first time I'd seen a real league coach. Um, okay. And, um, and it was amazing. Like within a few years he was, you know, we didn't need a translator anymore. He was speaking fluent English. Um, mm. Robin has gone on to be um, a GM of my Overwatch team. Uh, and, uh, he's, the fan, he's still with us. Amazing guy, but like Reaper, he's that smart to learn English to like fluent level within a couple of years. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not it's not fair like <laughs> um, it really it really isn't and and, and you know what he's got four coaches a coach of the split awards and i think he deserves every single one of them no question yeah. uh absolutely no question and so so we've landed on we've landed on the guy that we're going to entrust with building the roster yeah. but we don't land on this roster of five guys until now and this is kind of where i want to talk about a funky period in cloud nine's history because it's it would be it would be oh so weird to ever say you guys were underperforming or that you were a bad team because you always made it right. We talk about yeah. Cloud Nine as the team that always makes it internationally, 
but you were making it internationally and making it further than other domestic teams internationally, all while not achieving the domestic success that you had in your first two splits. Yeah. So what was that kind of limbo period like for you as an organization where it was like, we can't seem to get it done right in these interim moments or throughout the year or in these domestically heightened moments and yet we can somehow translate and represent our region the best of any team internationally that's like there's a disconnect there i can't tell you the number of times where i was 100% confident we would win lcs 2 weeks before the finals and every I got to this point where like we would be coming in in the final week and i could just see the energy level had dropped down. The focus mm. had dropped off. Players were playing other games, you know, besides League of Legends. And um, they had, like, literally given up the game before we'd even got there. And um, try as we might, we couldn't get that f- focus drop off to stop happening. It happened over and over and over again. Um, and it's... Um, there's only so much you can manage and coach away on some of these things. Sometimes you requires you to reevaluate your roster and make sure that you have people that are just as dedicated to actually finishing this split, getting better one day at a time um, and have that rigor to actually like, yeah, I need to work out. Why am I working out an hour every day with a strength trainer? Because best of fives are hard. And you get to game four, and if you haven't been working out for the last three or four months, you get tired, you lose focus, you haven't learned to push yourself when you're uncomfortable. And I couldn't get my prior iterations of rosters to actually take that to heart. Mm. And it, you know, um, when you speak about my team, like I know you spoke about Gary, who who is, you know, a doctor of psychology who works with us, a former Navy SEAL. And I, you know, we talked a lot about like our, the problems of the past and how I, where I wanted the team go. And he really helped crystallize the culture that I was looking for. And then we, you know, we took it across our, we basically had like a workshop where we flew all our coaches in out, you know, back from Korea, flew all of our managers out. Like, this is how this team is going to run going forward. Yeah. Once everybody totally had buy-in, then we spread it across the players and all the players totally had buy-in. And then, you know, at this point, I don't need to tell my players how important this moment is. I don't need my right. players to work out every morning. I don't need to tell my players to not play any other games. They're self-policing. Gotcha. Like literally Gary can just kick back now and just put his feet up because the work that we did in October, November, December, January, February, it's kicking in now. Yeah. And it's, and, and so it feels, it feels really good. I'm, I'm super proud of those guys. Uh, you know, that does point to, uh, that points to something interesting uh, that you keyed into there, which is, Again, this idea that Cloud9 invests into domestic talent um, or seems to be the organization that can can take unproven talent and unlock them. Uh, and then we see very quickly on on the biggest, you know, the biggest domestic stage uh, them perform. Um, but what it, I only bring this up because what you said there to me keys into the idea that you care more about mentality, mindset, worth ec- worth work ethic, all of these things than you do talent. Obviously, talent's important. Yeah. You're not gonna take you're not gonna take a bronze player who's mechanically capped at bronze, and no matter how hard they work, okay, they're just not gonna become an LCS pro. Right. But it does seem uh, that there's a striking difference in in your mentality and perhaps the mentality of your whole organization compared to others, where talent is not the first metric that needs to be met. 
Yeah. It's, or not it, the most important. I shouldn't say first. It's a box that it needs to be, first. it's a, it's a box that has to be checked, but yeah. all the other stuff, like if you have, you could be the most talented player and I've had some of the most talented players I've ever seen on my rosters, but because their mindset wasn't correct, they brought down the team and they brought them themselves. And so um, it's a whole package and you well, have to have it. Without a doubt. Let's talk about then now this version of cloud nine. That's what I want to hone in on because we're, we're less than a week away. We're half a week away from the championship game where you guys already await whatever challenger mm -hmm. uh, prevails in evil geniuses versus FlyQuest. But, but this roster of five, has already achieved so much in hitting 17-1 and one in the regular split, tying the record of Immortals and falling just short of the perfect season. Mm. But, but let's talk about expectations coming into the split because community expectation was that TL would be one. And a lot of people did have this Cloud9 roster as two. So even with some of the moves you guys made mm. and some of the hubbub around that, people still had lofty expectations. Well, as we know, the split went nothing like that, and Cloud9 has just completely trashed the competition. So mm. what were those first week or even preseason discussions for you guys in terms of goal setting and framing this split as opposed to what we saw? Um, like once we had signed like Vulcan, he was the last piece to get okay. locked in. We all knew that we were going to crush it. Like there was, there wasn't a doubt that like, we're, we're probably going to win this split. Sick. Like we knew we were really good. Um, we had to go out and prove it, but like, I could just tell like, you know, like what did Vulcan and Zven want to do? Like, as soon as this contract signed, get me on a plane, get me to Korea. We want to, we need to grind. So we're not holding this team back mm. in the land in Korea. They're doing like 16 hours of gaming a day. They got to, to top 50, like uh, on the ladder quite quickly. They were beating out top duos in Korea, like before they came back. Um, and you know, I remember talking with Reaper and he was just so happy. He's like, finally, Jack, we have the team that we've been looking for, for all this time. Um, so there really wasn't a doubt in our mind. Now, what about as the season progresses? Uh, again, there was no, uh, there was really no, uh, you know, period of doubt really for you guys. You said, yeah. you know, you were winning, 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 winning. Um, but did that stress build up? And did you have conversations with the players about now this expectation of the undefeated season? Mm. I talked a little bit to Licorice in, in another version of the queue where he said, the 18 and 0 actually kind of scares me. Yeah. Because I, I if I'm 18 and 0, I don't know how to get better, right? And like yeah. for him and it keys into this mindset, he was so improvement oriented where he's like I want losses because I want to be better. Yeah. I I think um even this, this last loss with EG was a relief. And I yeah. don't know exactly how to like articulate that well, but the the whole perfect season stuff, amazing KDA, mid, you know, mid, mid tower. Right. The hundred, die. the hundred OKDA for Spain, all, which, all of these, like all of these like uh, narratives uh, is a distraction to us. And we don't, and it's try, it's really hard to, to, to push that out of your thought. Um, and, and it felt good. Like I know Sven felt a relief. Like when that, you know, when the KDA got cracked, it's like, okay, I don't need to think about that at all anymore. I don't yeah. need to think about the midterm and they really don't anyways, but like, but there's still a little inkling of it around. Right. Kill that, and kill that thing. And it, isn't that amazing how, I mean, like I have a little devilish smile on my face because so much of that narrative is about the narrative that both us as a broadcasting yeah. community itself builds. And it's so interesting to see, how there has to be maybe that kind of line of separation mm -hmm. between the, the, the teams and everyone else for like, I know that they're telling this story about us, 
but mm-hmm. this is our story. And, and is that a conversation that you guys have pretty often? Like, yes, I know that the, I know the fans think this, mm. I know the fans, you know, want to see this, or they have this opinion of Sven, you know, but, but on the other side of it, well, here's an even easier it, it, way to talk. Well, about I can, it. I can answer that because yeah, the thing on. is, here's the thing is like, I'm always worried that they're talking about it and mm. they're constantly impressing me that they're not, they don't give a damn about it. Okay. And they're like, I'm found, I'm going to found dive this. There you, you know? go. I, like, I asked I, a shitty I, question. I, you gave me the right answer. <laughs> like, they're like, I like, cause they don't care and they want to make sure they don't care. Yeah. And they also, and like, the, you know, I think a lot of teams now say this losing is learning. It's absolutely true. Mm. Like when you lose, you definitely learn more than you, than when you get out of a win. Um, and like when we're scrimming other teams, sometimes we're like, you know, you know, should we be scrimming TSM this much? Because those players are really good, and right. we know when we're beating the crap out of them, I think over a ninety percent win ratio. Yeah, we know that they're learning a lot more each time we play them than we are out of them, and so it's like it's definitely you know. So we got to like okay, so then we need to make sure like every scrap of information that we can pull out of this scrim that we're that we're pulling it because we don't want that gap to close you just you caused me to think about something and this might be a much bigger conversation that maybe we can pursue another time at but out of curiosity have you given much thought to the way that practice is structured in esports versus the way practice is structured in traditional well, i'm certain you've given thought yeah. to it but how have you given thought to it because we scrim against the teams that we are going to end up playing in football, mm-hmm. you scrimmage against your own team. Everything is primarily done. Yes, they have some preseason mm-hmm. games, but it's very mm-hmm. few. The majority of what you're practicing is all done within the organization. I know there is some scrimming done with academy teams, but how do you how do you view kind of the differences between traditional sports and esports, and you know either the obstacles that we have being a technological sport in keeping things secret, in finding a way to better yourself without bettering your opponent. I mean, it's a, it's constantly a shell game that you're playing with the, with the other opponents trying to like, Hey, like I'm going to play this team and you know, three weeks route, like how much are we going to show them? We're going to show them this strap, but definitely we can't, we got to keep this like in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. And as we're going through, as we're going through like, um, matches, we can't kind of keep it. We are always keeping a tab on what we've showed in the past to like, to make sure that we have something that's unknown. Um, and so Overall, like uh, trying to find the similarities traditional sports is hard because um, like in football, they can't go all out against other teams or practice teams because they have a lot of injuries and stuff they need to be real careful about. But in scrims, we can go all out. In fact, I would say we go too hard in scrims and we're limit testing and we end up like doing aggressive plays and our opponents are doing aggressive plays they would never do on stage, which gives you a false sense of confidence. Like, like like, (laughs) I've actually never heard someone speak about it that way in traditional sports. You practice light, you play hard. And in esports, you practice hard and you play light in a sense. Yeah. I mean, you're still playing with intensity, but you actually are playing a safer version of your game. Yeah, we're not going to break a wrist when we're scrimming these other teams. Right. <laughs> right. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And so they, they play really hard. And then you'll get like champions that like require, a, you know, a, a lot of fighting um, uh, that look great in scrims. You get on stage and, and they just don't the have the juice to actually do what they did in scrims. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's super interesting. Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, it, it really like this, that was 2018 when we, we did, when the benching happened, mm-hmm. um, you know, our, 
our academy players were having an incredible scrim records against LCS teams. And that's why one of the part big reasons why they came up to be our LCS team and our scrim record was, was insane. We were doing super well and they would get on stage and they couldn't play the game because the game they were playing at home and scrims wasn't being played on stage. Right. Um, and so at part of that adjustments process was leveling up like, you know, Zazel and Blabber to learn how to play on the LCS stage and then also mm-hmm. shifting the roster around to have the right people playing, like getting Jensen back and getting Sneaky back. Speaking of that leveling up process, uh, again, no secret that your org is farmed talent that now exists across multiple orgs within the league. Mm. You know, how, how, what does that mean for you as an individual and how, you know, how personally do you now kind of navigate the waters of like, want you know caring about these guys but now they're they're opponents it's it's super interesting right because like um uh, a lot of these guys know how we operate i've known them for years we got super close and then all our they're you know i look across the stage and like especially against eg like more than half the play yeah (laughs) Yeah. and like i want to see kumo do well i want to see dennis and zazel do well but not today (laughs) like you know Uh, make him 10 yeah and we tell you like when i saw when i saw poppy get picked with kumo i'm like "Uh oh i know this is going to be tough because he's you know he's super good at and um you know i know he's got other champions i'm thinking about um curious to see if they get you know and i i don't want to give them up but like and and and, you know it's it's exciting because i know these players so well and what their strengths are uh when i see them play against other teams uh, you know it's it makes it extra uh, exciting for me and i still i still care a lot about those players but you know they are the enemy now I want to bring everything here uh, kind of full circle, uh, strangely enough, to that first conversation we had, which is around what's happening in the world at the moment. Because what's Mm -hmm. happening in the world at the moment is affecting uh, the remainder of the spring split. Um, We've already been playing a number of games online, and we've talked a little bit about what your org has done uh, to alleviate that and navigate that for Mm -hmm. the team. Um, But we're about to enter a finals weekend unlike anything we've ever experienced. We're not going to be flying there. We are not going to be put up in a hotel and we are not going to have tens of thousands of people in an arena with a tailgate beforehand where the floor is vibrating and there's this massive pre-show with a singer and then these, the Mm. team introductions where the guys get to walk on stage out the tunnel with the, you know, with the fog and all of that. Mm -hmm. What's, just give me the org take on like, I mean, there's got to be some deflating aspect, I think, for the players of like, this is the year we're going to surge back onto the scene and yeah. win a title as cloud nine after, you know, after those first two, but it's going to be done in this way. Can, can just kind of give me the overall take right now where I, everyone's head is at in this, in this environment. It's been interesting. It has made me like, you know, think about the past and long ago, six years ago, I guess now, you know, we won spring 2014 yeah. and w- Back then, these are early days of esports. We we actually weren't out of venue. We were that's just out. <laughs> that's true. We're and I, Manhattan Beach. <laughs> that's right. And I remember running onto the stage, so just yeah. like my players and the casters go, "Yay!" You know, and that was about it. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, and then I think we squeezed all of you onto the analyst desk. Yeah. Yeah. For a we did. big old interview. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and right. but and it kind of feels like that, right? Okay. But, so it's we're going back to the old days. But those, you know, that doesn't take anything like away from the effort that um 
everyone has put into the season. So I, you know, I don't know if we're going to win or lose. Um, but you know, if we do, it's going to be awesome. It doesn't take anything away from it. If we don't win it and some other team does like they should be super proud of, of what it took. Cause the effort to get there was incredible, mm-hmm. especially when you consider through the circumstances that all of us have been dealing with it, you know um, you know, there are, there are players on every single team that have a whole families are, are very far away from them. And I'm sure they want to be there to comfort them. Um, uh, but they're here working, doing their job uh, and not only like supporting their team, but our whole league of legends community that's interested in esports. Like um, I, I, I've mentioned this before, like I've gotten many, letters from or you know, emails from fans that have told me like hey when easy when lcs is on for a brief period of time my life feels normal again yeah. and like and uh you know all i i'm so appreciative of all the effort that that the lcs team has put together to still make this thing happen yeah um because uh it, you know it's a really special opportunity to to give some entertainment to all the people that support us and like with traditional sports essentially you know, out of the picture, we're filling a pretty big void. Yeah, I was, I, I, I've said it before and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm not going to kid myself and say that the work I do is the most important work in the world. Yeah. But the work that we do is more important now than it was before. Yeah, and I, absolutely. I, I, to your argument there that like in this day and age with everything that's going on, having that outlet, having, uh, you know, the, the feeling of normalcy, that moment or that period of normalcy within a week that is yeah. anything but normal can just be the most comforting thing. That, that little break, you know, just to kind of help you recharge. And then my favorite days mm-hmm. right now, they generally, they already kind of were, I love my job, but even more so now yeah. when I get to log on for the LCS and just be in a call with the other casters watching something that we love, yeah. having that ability to laugh and joke about something to be amazed by a play, to ridicule a play, but just mm-hmm. having that human connection and the shared love of something is just so comforting. And yeah. and and I'll let that bring me to my very final question of, of all of this. We've talked so much about what you've done for Cloud9. I want to get a little bit of a sense of what Cloud9 has done for you, Jack, because I'm sure it's been a wild journey, you know, from, from the days where esports was barely even a thing to where we're at now. What has this org, as a whole and any aspect of it done for you personally over, you know, the last, what are we at 10 years now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually amazing. Right. And, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I loved my, my prior jobs working at Crunchyroll. I used to work at Curse before that as well. And I loved these companies and it was really fun, but, um, to be working for cloud nine and be able to surround myself that are with people that are just as passionate about us, um, doing doing the things that we do um and be totally aligned on the culture that we're trying to build has been really special for for me and my life and my family's life um super thankful to the system that that riot set up like uh, above all publishers riot has done it right and it wasn't always perfect like we we've had we've locked horns several times many a hiccup yeah but like <laughs> i'm I, like uh I'm so thankful that they've that Riot has had like the proper like mindset on how to do esports and how to do it correctly. Um, and I mean, uh, the the people that I'm surrounded with now, I'm like I'm so impressed with them. It's like yes, we have like all star incredible players right now, but 
honestly, it's go at the same level of coaches, the same level of managers like Jonathan Tran and Vincent, um, Chrissy, like Gary, all, you know, our data management team, these people are, are just incredible. And we all have like the same goal working together, just having the opportunity to work with people in that environment is really special. And I, and I can think back to when I was just like a sales guy working for Crunchyroll. Yes, I, I loved Crunchyroll, but there's a, it's a difference in when you're working shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people with a common goal. It's pretty special. And I, I definitely need to recognize that. Yeah, from something small and internet-based to this behemoth that you have built uh, yeah. that is just staffed by some incredible people. Uh, we mm. obviously know you already are competing in the finals on Sunday, but before that, it's EG versus FlyQuest. Your prediction for which team you'll be facing, is it a rematch against EG, or does the mm. kind of surging FlyQuest in the postseason uh, surprise us? Um, I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I think it's going to be five games. These teams, like are both they're both really good there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk like about like you know cloud nine being really good the other teams being crap that's not the case like these okay. are other these are other these are both really good teams and i think that they're gonna they're gonna be uh worthy opponents and i've seen them grow in strength through through the split um i I mean, I have to, you know, it's really weird. FlyQuest is a team that I, you know, I sold them their LCS spot. Yeah, and, you've, got, <laughs> and you've got a hand in every goddamn pie there, Jack. <laughs> yeah, and, e, and EG has literally four of my players, right? And may so, as well be a C9 v C9 finals. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, they wouldn't say that, but like, right. um, uh, I think as far as hype, EG winning and then playing us would be incredibly hype. And I would... I think they're a really strong team and they can, they can bring the fight to us. So um, I think if I was to pick like just purely on emotions, I'd want to see EG win, but I think it's a toss up on who actually gets out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Either team has had to run the gauntlet to come back mm -hmm. and challenge cloud nine in the finals. And that finals match does promise to be a brilliant one. I hope to see cloud nine challenged while I'm happy to give my prediction that regardless of which team meets them there, Fairly. What's your prediction? My prediction? Well, so my prediction is Cloud9 wins 100%. Okay. I, in an earlier interview I did last week, I said there is no, I don't believe there's a world in which Cloud9 loses, which is nice. maybe too definitive a statement, <laughs> but I do stand by it. Um, in terms of the actual series score, I would probably say 3-1. Um, mm. Just from the perspective that we've seen you guys drop a game, so we know you're fallible, and mm -hmm. EG is one of the teams to have done it, and so I have to lend kind of that credence to them or just yeah. say they've done it before they can do it again uh but i would say taking that one loss probably made you guys stronger and scarier so we might actually see just a swift you know 3-0 akin to team liquid's 3-0 win spring split in miami yeah which was crazy crazy fast and so so we'll see either way i expect you guys to be hoisting hoisting metaphorically that trophy since mm -hmm. we will be uh at homes but uh jack Always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be with uh, be with us here this week. And please uh, stay safe, stay Dude, healthy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast, man. And uh, uh, looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be fun. My pleasure. Cloud Nine playing this week on Sunday in the uh, 2020 LCS Spring Championship Finals. Opponent to be determined on Saturday. Once again, C9 Jack. Best of luck to you this weekend, and we'll see you next time. On the All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. See you.